Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God this day, this Father's Day, as we come together and we worship our Lord, we celebrate the fatherly relationship that God has with us, purely from his grace. Becoming a father is a moment, right? A moment for me that I remember quite well, the way that I found out, officially, was pulling into the driveway of the house where we lived, parking the car, getting out, and there was a sign on the door. Congratulations, Dad. Is that what it said? Something real close to that anyway. I remember the moment. I don't remember the sign exactly. There on the the glass door facing the back of the house because the driveway went around to the back, I saw the sign, and that was the moment that I knew. And there was a mix of emotions, (laughs) joy and excitement, but also the, I'm responsible for a person who can't do stuff. How's that going to work? I was nervous. Would I be the kind of father that my dad had been for me? Becoming a father biologically is common. To be a dad, though, requires work, requires commitment, love, and support. And to be a dad can happen in many ways, biologically or legally, by adoption. Paul uses that illustration of adoption to describe who we are in relationship to God as our father. To To begin that, in Galatians chapter 3, he tells us that we are held captive. We heard these words from Galatians 3.23. Before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming of faith would be revealed. Law captivates. You might have heard the story of Rapunzel, or maybe you've seen the movie Tangled which is from about 10 or so years ago, um, Disney's version of the story. Any Tangled fans? As a family, we have uh, have this tradition of having Halloween costumes that are around a theme. And gosh, it was a long time ago now because Drew was real little. Um, he was probably about three when our family dressed up as the cast from Tangled. So Gina, with her long blonde hair, got to be Rapunzel, perfect choice, right? Drew, because he was little, got to be the little chameleon that was Rapunzel's friend. What was his name? Pascal. Paula got to be Mother Gothel, and Max was Flynn Rider, who's the main character guy. I was the odd guy out. I was the tower. A very important character in the, you can find it on Paula's Facebook or you can get to there from mine too, I think, Um, and you can see the tower. Look for the shoes, that's how you know that's me. Anyway, the story of Rapunzel, that's where I was. Um, The story of Rapunzel is about this child. The original story, there's a man and a woman and they live really close to a fairy's garden and, and the woman's pregnant and she gets the craving, right? 
And so her husband climbs the wall into the fairy garden to get the Rapunzel, which is actually a German word for a kind of um, lettuce stuff. So he goes and takes it from the fairy's garden and comes back. And she's so excited and so grateful that then this becomes a pattern. So he's climbing the fence back and forth. Well, the fairy doesn't take too kindly to her vegetation being stolen. And so she catches him in the act, and it's his life that's on the line in that moment. And so he promises whatever she demands, and what she demands is the child. And names her Rapunzel and locks her in the tower, and probably familiar. And then the long hair, and the only way up and down the tower is for her to let down her hair. She's trapped. She's captive there in the tower. Tangled, similar, there's a plant that's taken, and for revenge, Mother Gospel, uh, Gospel, that's a Sunday morning uh, slip of the tongue. It just comes right out. Mother Gothel um, takes the child and up the tower, similar. Held captive. In Paul's illustration in Galatians chapter 3, it's the law that captivates. The law keeps us bound. We have this relationship to the law of God that constrains us. There's no escape. And in a similar way, we have a law that we have to obey. We're bound to the laws of the land. But the law of God can also be viewed as a contract, a relationship that existed because of covenant between God and his people. So in that way, the the law is similar to contracts that we're under. When we bought our house, we signed a mortgage. And the mortgage is simply a contract that we say we'll agree to pay and pay and pay, like, monthly because you'll let us live there, bank or whoever your loaning organization is. It's a contractual arrangement where there's provision and there's then obedience to the plan. And this is, in a way, similar to how we're captive, we're under this contract where the law demands what it demands, and God has this relationship with us through this contractual agreement, arrangement. It's a covenant. And we're captive under it. There's no way out. There's no escape. There's, there's no solution for it because who of us can keep the law? See, we can't keep the law, so it's really sin that binds us. If we could obey the law of God perfectly, then the, the law wouldn't be a constraint, would it? The law would just be the way that we go, the way that we live. But it is sin that keeps us bound and the law that keeps us captive. It demonstrates who we are. It shows our brokenness. It shows that we need to be rescued. Rapunzel in her tower needed to be rescued, needed someone to come and set her free. In the original story, it's a prince that comes along and hears her beautiful singing voice. Their eyes meet and they fall in love, you know, the way that fairy tales work. (laughs) And he comes back day after day until he can figure out how to get her out of the tower. In the movie Tangled, similar story, but the person who comes along isn't a prince, he's a thief. And he climbs the tower looking for a place to hide. And, well, watch the movie. 
It's pretty good. Some good music in it, too. Either way, Rapunzel needed to be set free. And you and I are set free. Christ frees us from our captivity. And he does it by taking our place. By becoming one who is under the law. We heard these words in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. When the fullness of time had come. These are words we often hear around Christmas time. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. He entered into the situation we were in. He put himself in the tower, in the place of captivity, in order to break us free, to break us out, in order to release us from our captivity and from our guard. And he did that for one reason. It's his love that redeems us. It's his love for you and for me that redeems us. God sent his son It goes on to say in the beginning of verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law. In both stories, Rapunzel and Tangled, the main male character and Rapunzel fall in love, and it's love that ends up setting her free. She gets down from the tower in Tangled, kind of escapes. Well before the love story, though you can... Well, you know it's coming. It's a Disney movie, right? She gets down from the tower, and eventually they fall in love. And the way that love sets her free in that movie is through sacrifice, through transformation, and through the the breaking of the bonds that had held her captive, not just in the tower, but in herself. And Flynn Rider, or Eugene, helped her do that. And Jesus, in his love for us, redeems us. He died for us in our place because of his great love for us. And that death buys us back, redeems. As I've talked about before, I ride my bike quite often, and I'm amazed how often I'll be riding along, and along the side of the road, There are bottles and cans and all kinds of debris. Like All kinds of debris, okay, that happens. But bottles and cans, there's there's value there, right? It says CRV on the side of it. That means it's worth a nickel. And how much does a nickel buy you these days? Not much. Like one chiclet or something. So I think for a lot of people, the nickel is just not worth it. And out the window, or however it gets to the side of the road, there's the bottle, there's the can. Every now and then you see a person who's got the big bag, and they've gone around to the park or wherever the party maybe had happened, and they fill the bag, and they've got all these crushed plastic bottles on this side of the bike and on that side of the bike, and they're riding along. You think, how how can they balance all that? How can they carry all that? But they do. And have you done the math and realized, that's like, Four bucks. That's a lot of work for four dollars. In and of ourselves, the way that we are, the way that our lives go, the way that our sinful nature works, we're not worth picking up. We're not worth coming after. 
But God in his love for us doesn't leave us on the side of the road, doesn't leave us in the gutter to just decay, but has come and found each and every one of us, has claimed us, and to him in his eyes we're worth so much more than a nickel. We're not stamped with CRV. We're marked with the love of Jesus, the Son of God, who gave his life for yours and for mine. He's bought us back because God wants you to be his own. God is our Father. He's our Father. We have been adopted. Verse 5 continues in Galatians 4. He came to redeem us so that we might receive adoption as sons. We're children of God through faith. We heard those words at the end of chapter 3. Children of God through faith in Jesus. We've been given a spirit of adoption, which Romans 8 also talks about. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Adoption is a legal process. Probably familiar to, I know in the room there's a few who've gone through that process, who have adopted, who have gone, you know, petitioned the court for a child for the responsibility, but also the right to be father or mother to the child. It's a process through which a relationship is created or recognized. And in that, the parent to the child becomes in full force and effect the same way as if the child was biologically born to the person. The rights, the privileges, the legal standing, the inheritance, all of it is exactly the same. That parent-to-child relationship. In the eyes of the court is no different from one who is naturally born. That is the kind of process that we can relate to in our adoption by God our Father. See, for some people, comparing God to Father doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe Dad wasn't around. Maybe Dad wasn't kind. Maybe he didn't put in time or effort. Maybe he was abusive physically or emotionally. And maybe in that there was the desire, the striving to achieve something, to be recognized, to be acceptable. And that maybe got ignored. So there's a longing for a relationship that never happened. With God as our Father, it's far different from that. God as our Father adopts us, claims us, finds us, and in his Son has redeemed us. God, as our Father, values us, treasures us, loves us, so that we can call on him, Abba, Daddy. Because you are his children, God has sent the Spirit of Jesus, his Son, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's verse 6 the Spirit at work within us, so that we can cry out to our God. Cry out, Daddy. That word, Dad. 
I remember when Max was pretty small. And isn't it ironic how oftentimes among the first words the child says, it's dad, 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 dad. Instead of mom. I guess it's a little bit easier. But also, children spend a bit maybe more time with the mom when they're little tiny kids learning how to talk. And mom maybe talks about dad. Hey, dad's going to come home. Hey, dad's this. Hey, here's your dad or whatever. So they hear the word dad quite often. Maybe it's, oh, your dad better get home soon. I don't know what it is. But dad. When the child cries out, dad. Maybe in an emergency, dad. And as a dad, I came running. One time Max fell on the sidewalk and I ran over to him, went to pick him up, threw my back out, couldn't walk for like three days. But I helped him get in the house. Other times because I would wake up pretty easily in the night if the kids cried out. Most of the time I was the one who would get up first and go do what I could, which oftentimes was pick up the child, bring it to Paul, and say, here you go. (laughs) We can call out to our father. We can call out like, dad, daddy, help me, care for me, love me. Dad, this is what I need. Dad, I just need this assurance. Dad, I just need to know this. And our father responds to his children. God, our Heavenly Father, responds to us as his children, loving us, caring for us each and every day, and we are heirs of his promises. The end of our reading was verse 7. You are no longer a slave but a son or a daughter. If you're a child, then an heir through God, a recipient of all the promises that God makes, We're working on a trust, which is a tool to keep our kids protected through probate and whatever, and most of you are familiar with it. If not, find a financial professional or a lawyer or somebody to do it for you. It's an important tool because we want them to receive everything that we have. We want that to just get automatically passed to our kids as heirs, and that's how it works with God. We are the recipients of all, heirs through Christ of everything that God has promised, of love, acceptance, grace, mercy, and everlasting life. We are God's adopted children. And in that light, happy Father's Day.